Um, say, this is a problem I want to solve. This is how I'm planning on doing it. Do you think this has legs and is it something you would use? In this episode of my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms, for the first time, I feature a guest for the second time, Jack Bloomfield, who featured on season one, episode three. We're now currently at season three. Young Jack started his first business when he was 15 in e-commerce and now started a company called Disputify. We're expecting some big things and he's only 19 years of age. This is an amazing episode of great takeaways with one of our young and inspiring entrepreneurs who's doing great things, not only nationally, but globally. Let's get behind this young man. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Relentless Life on Your Terms. And for the first time, we're featuring a guest for the second time. He was season one, episode three. He's now joining us on season three. Jack, how are you, mate? Mate, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Jack Bloomfield, to be specific. Now, last time I featured you, you were 16 years old. Was I 16? 16 or 17? Might have been 16, cracking 17. Because now you're 19, correct? Yeah, old now. Now, you are old. You're probably too old for this show, but anyway, (laughs) we're going to give him another go. Tell us a bit about your journey. What have you done since then? Uh, So I've been running a fintech company called Disputify. Um, I think last time I was on here, I was primarily involved in e-commerce. But one of the biggest issues I had was I was having individuals come into my site, buying products, and then turning around and saying they never got them. And we do investigations into these individuals um, and we realized there was a pattern of behavior. So we'd have people who'd buy a product, get it delivered, and not just say they didn't get it, but they'd also then say it wasn't as described. They go straight back to the bank and they say, I want a charge back on it. And then we then go, well, what the hell? And then we'd give the charge back. That guy would then go buy the same product two or three times. So this was a serial issue that was occurring. Oh yeah, horrible. So losing thousands of dollars a month to it, turned around, started to beautify, raised a bit of money for it. Um, and then now spent the last year building it. We're a team of six based in Brisbane. So what is this beautiful? Now, see a lot of your content, if you don't watch it, make sure you follow it. The up and, up and coming entrepreneur is amazing at what he's doing, but what is Disputify? So Disputify, um, we help merchants solve the problem of refund fraud. So as I mentioned briefly before, refund fraud is when an individual using their own name, their own information, so incredibly hard to detect, comes to an e-commerce merchant's website, buys a product, gets that product delivered, and then turns around and says, oh, I never got it. Now, there's a trust relationship when you look at e-commerce. It is that at me, as a merchant, I am going to receive funds for a product I'm sending out, and me as a customer, I'm going to get the product that I've just paid for. As soon as that breaks, when that customer then doesn't honor their side of the deal, the entire e-commerce relationship is broken. So we help fix that. Um, we track and tag these individuals across the internet through a direct integration with the merchant themselves. So we see everything, we scan everything, and we make sure that if there's a guy who's trying to rip off a merchant, we detect him and we flag the merchant. Let so in summary, you're working backwards. So a little guy against the corporation now you're saying hey are you yep. doing the right thing exactly so you thought there's a problem to be solved here and just to put some numbers around because i know you're very good at numbers how much of an issue is this so 25 billion dollars a year is lost to refund fraud just in the us that's 25 billion dollars a year yeah billion dollars um and we know that for like some merchants over 40 percent of all their inventory is returned so asos have come out in the last couple of years and said 40 percent of everything they sell ends up being returned and we know on average like five to seven percent of that ends up being refund fraud and wow. people like you might know someone who does this other type of refund fraud which is called wardrobing and it's the best one where you'll get people who will be going out to the races or going out to the clubs on the weekend and they'll buy a really nice suit jacket or a really nice dress and they'll wear it out and then as soon as they're done that coming Monday will then just go straight back and return it so they still have the, the tags and the labels and everything on it and they just get the thing for free you just ridiculous. told everyone my secrets on how I use it <laughs> yeah, exactly well listen I'll put it away so you can't see but <laughs> wardrobing I never even knew that was a term yep 
Yeah, I, it's dead set and it's horrendous. And the thing is, these aren't sophisticated criminals who are doing it. These are everyday individuals who are just wanting things for free um, and realize that in e-commerce, everything's faceless. This is not retail in person. So hell, you're facing a billion dollar company, buying a couple of things and returning them um, and getting them for free or using them and getting a refund. Um, for some people, it doesn't really seem like a big thing, but it's a massive issue. It's actually a moral integrity issue for people doing that as well. But yeah. for the big companies that have built a brand, that doesn't mean we as a consumer should say, hey, it's not going to affect them. No. Because everything counts. Well, and the worst thing is too, when you've got larger companies who have got bigger brands and they're more so invested in the customer relationship, it's even easier to commit this type, this type of fraud against those guys because they are in the business of keeping a relationship with a customer. So if a customer comes straight back to customer support and says, the product I just bought never actually got here, most often than not, they're just gonna refund the guy because they know that it's a lot easier to refund the guy, move on, and keep the relationship So there. commercially more viable, is that what well, you mean? Oh, it's commercially more viable, but I mean, realistically, you're losing, like we know for every $1 lost to, um, or every one, so if it's a $100 purchase, um, on average, $320 is gonna be spent trying to recoup the cost if an individual commits refund fraud. So it is incredibly expensive, um, but we even know from a customer support angle. Wow. So if you're buying a product and then committing refund fraud, that poor company then has to facilitate some sort of return shipping, has to put on an individual to take the customer support request, and so on, so on, so. So it adds up incredibly quickly. Those figures are mind boggling. And you thought there's an issue to be solved here, a small percentage of doing fraud, and we're talking about tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars per year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, billions. And what made, what, what, first of all, how did you even come up with that idea? Um, look, I was, uh, it was dad's 50th birthday. Um, and for dad's 50th, um, the whole family took a cruise around Vanuatu. So this was late 2019, so just before COVID. And I was obviously doing incredibly well with e-commerce. Um, things are growing really quickly for me over yep. the last couple of years. And I was looking and we'd been seeing it for the last couple of months. There had been a correlation between these chargebacks that we were getting and the individuals who were committing them that were doing them multiple times. Done a bit of research into it, realized this wasn't just an issue that I was having. And I was at the point where I was looking for a change and said, well, this seems like a problem that I can legitimately solve. If we're gonna build a network of merchants and the ability to track and tag these guys, if we can get as many merchants on board as we possibly can, the bigger the network score, the better. Um, why not? I guess, and then how long ago was that? It was a year, so late 2019. Okay. So, so you were 17? Yeah, 17, nearly 18. So. so so normal thinking for a 17 year old, if you're yeah. looking at it from that perspective, yeah. here's a big problem, let's solve it. And so first of all, well done to your dad for taking that 50th. That's yeah, exactly. Well, the funny thing was, I feel sorry for him because I spent pretty much the entire cruise in this coffee shop on this boat um, with my computer, trying to write a business plan and trying to figure out whether I was completely full of, sorry for the swearing, completely full of shit, um, or whether I actually had an idea worth solving. And one of the first things I did was figure out every single person that I knew that worked at some sort of payments company or card company, and I don't have a, extensive network. So it's like, well, look on LinkedIn, see who I can connect with, reach out, and literally get on a 15 minute call. That's what I did to verify the idea was actually something. Um, say, this is a problem I want to solve. This is how I'm planning on doing it. Do you think this has legs and this is something you would use? And it was a resounding so yes. stop you there? Did you have any money or capital behind all these ideas? Uh, well, when I first came up with it, no. And so when I was doing this course, no. It was just the sheer will to say, I've got a problem to solve. How can I do it based on my current networks? I'm gonna start cold calling people on LinkedIn or direct messaging them to see if this is an issue, is that right? Yep. So when you when people say that I don't have the money or the resource, mm -hmm. in that case, I know you, you know, I know you were successful at e-commerce, so you had the money, but you didn't invest anything to get this. No, it's nothing, I spent zero dollars on it, zero dollars. And that's a great takeaway yep. for everyone to actually see. You had the will to the, the desire and you, off you went. Now, 
it leads into my next question. What's your network like? So you basically mainly on LinkedIn? Because I know you know a lot of people because I've seen you first on stage when you spoke when you were six, 16. 16, yeah, yeah. And you spoke amazingly well. I was super <laughs> impressed by you. And you've grown from strength to strength. I've been following your career now for three years. And I'm going to continue to follow. And I hope everyone else does as well. Um, how did you build your network? Um, I think it's... It's, uh, I think it's the confidence to put yourself out there, I think, number one. Um, you know, being 16 and getting up on stage, um, I will be the first to admit it's not easy. Like, you've got to get out there, you've got to talk to people. And I think just get known, like, be there, be present, show up. And I think it's Grant Cardone or whoever said it, show up. And it's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard. Um, it is get in the room with the right people, shake hands, make yourself known. You are enough. You're never going to be more than what you currently are. So there is no reason, no, no point sitting there going, I'm not good enough for these type of people or they're not going to think I'm you know, worthy of saying hello. Most people are genuinely nice people who just want to have a chat. And if you go up and you're interested about someone, you ask them what they do and you ask them how they got to where they are. Most often than not, they're going to sit there and they're going to have a chat with you and if you can learn a thing or two and build a relationship off the back of that um then yeah you're they human beings into the day exactly yep so i guess that's the key takeaway i guess put yourself out there now um who inspires you um i think people who have a go like people who genuinely as you mentioned before get off their ass go have a go um actually have a crack uh, people who don't come from a lot who come from nothing and even if they do come from something it is working their ass to get themselves another place in continue life. to grow it continue to grow it continue to grow it and i think people who put themselves out there people who work hard people of whom don't take no for an answer um, and people who actually, as I mentioned before, get in front of others and actually make a name for themselves and try, as opposed to just sit there and let the world swallow them up. So be, basically being relentless. Pretty much. Yeah, actually, if you can sum it up in one yeah, word, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Terms, so <laughs> this is why we're here. So um, I guess building Disputify now, how, how's your e-commerce business? You put that on the back burner because Disputify's taking a lot of your time. What happened with the, the e-commerce businesses you're running? So you ran quite a few of them. Yeah, so the short answer was, um, Disputify was the first time I'd ever taken any sort of investor capital. So I, at the time, wasn't even 18, I was still 17. And no one had actually said anything, but one of the biggest things in the back of my head was, what, is this, what, what, is, what if this doesn't work? And what if it doesn't work is a massive question because I know and I'm not an idiot. I know that if I don't make this work um, and I haven't got it to the point where it is today, um, I, my career professionally probably isn't going to go that well. I'm going to have to spend a lot of time trying to rebuild myself. So I put it on hold. Put it on hold, sold most of them, um, got rid of them. Um, thank God it was just before COVID, so I did quite well with the sale. Um, and then put 100% of my time into Disputify because my theory was that if I'm taking someone else's money, I'm all in. I'm all in. Like, I can tell you now, if I was giving a dollar to someone and that guy was telling, well, thanks for the dollar you've given me, but I'm actually doing 30 other I'm, things. Well, I'm doing 30 other things, or I'm just doing another thing. And I'll spend 50% of my time on that dollar that you just spent trying to multiply and grow it. I'd be sitting there going, get stuffed. I'm not giving you any money. So that was my thought. So I like that. So you basically, you put yourself in the frame of an investor. What would I, what would I want? I want 100% commitment. Because you're actually raising money and you're going through another cap raise now, which yep. is fantastic. And you're going, what would I want as an investor? I want someone who's invested, someone who's hardworking, but also someone that's all in. Yeah. Because otherwise, if it doesn't work, what's the, what's the downside? I want to know what it comes down to? It's like one word, respect. And I think respect, respect, someone's money. well, just respect in general. I respect you enough as an individual. Not only am I going to ask for them, your money, 
but I'm also gonna put everything else that I'm doing on pause, stop it completely, um, and I'm gonna go all in on what the opportunity that you have just given me. So I think respect comes down to it, and as I've mentioned before we started today, I don't know everything, and I only know 1% of what I should actually know. So I need to make sure that I'm all in on anything that I do, and that I have the ability to actually adapt and learn, meet execute. the right people, and execute, and actually do what I say, as opposed to just talk all day. Besides the fact that you're 19, and beside the fact that you're an entrepreneur getting ready to go, the fact that you say I know 1%, and I know you know a lot more than 1%, and a lot of people would see that, is why you're gonna keep growing, and why a lot of people like myself always follow you. Um, give me some example. What are some of the hardest challenges that you've come up with? Now, I know your career is very, now I'll put this into context, it might be very young, but what is achieved in a short period of time, most people don't achieve in a lifetime. So it's very, very important to get, get some key takeaways, how he's building a company, a brand, multiple business on e-commerce, what are some of the hardest lessons that you've learned and some of the key takeaways? Um, look, that's a, that's a hard question. One of the, um, probably one of the biggest things was managing people, um, especially with Disputify. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, you tell me. Um, you know more than I do. The, one of the first things I had to do was obviously build a team around me. And I went from, you know, a kid of whom done quite well of e-commerce to then having a bunch of money in my pocket to then go and deploy and spend to make something more. And to go, well, okay, where do I start? Like, all right, so we've got a bit of a product. What do we then do with it? How do we build it? How do we actually make this thing sellable and actually have someone who wants to buy it? Um, so how do you get it to market? That was the first challenge. And now I did that by myself. I had to go find third-party agencies. Thank God I was smart enough to put two people as a non-exec board who have been fantastic. One of them- So you also have a board? Also have a board. One of the first guys, actually the very first guy that I spoke to on the cruise, um, joined the board the month after, just before I'd raised the money. So he was a senior executive, oh, senior consultant at MasterCard and RBA and a few other banks. Um, I spoke to him and um, he was one of the first people that joined and that was because I had the balls to pick up the phone and actually give him a call. So, so summary cold call that works. So cold calling does work and no one cold calls these days. Like our sales approach originally, and this is one of the other hardest things I've ever had to do, is sell. And now I can sell when I've got a relationship with someone that's quite easy. You know, you can go up to someone, you know the person, you can tell them a bit more about your idea, justify what you need and why you want it and then tell them a plan. But when it comes to trying to sell something to someone who has no idea who you are, they don't know anything about you, nothing about what you're selling, nothing about your company. They don't know anything about any sort of credibility you've got you might have. a young track record as well because you're very- Oh young. yeah, you're, you're, you're oh, I'm 19 now. So they're going, oh, God, this kid got to sell me. So being able to pick up the phone to random people and sell them on something, I think is one of the very greatest skills because sales is everything. Like you need to sell yourself to employees that you know what you're doing or you've got the ship under control. Sell yourself to investors. You've got to sell yourself to people who are going to buy your products. What's the best part to learn to sell? How do you do that? What's the best? How do you learn to sell? So you said sell. What, how did you learn to have that confidence, to have the ability to pick up a phone, the ability to sell? Well, I think, I think, well, first of all, it's having the confidence to do it. And then I think that it comes back to knowing that the other person on the, on the end of the line or across the table is also human. Meaning that they have similar insecurities to what you and I both have. Of course. Which is going, well, this guy doesn't know anything about my product. Um, I'm now gonna sell, I'm now gonna sell. We've all been across the other side of the table where someone's trying to sell us something. Um, and everyone's been in the same situation. So it isn't actually that hard to just talk, pick up the phone, talk to the person, um, and actually get your point across. And it also comes down to figuring out what that person actually wants and what is their intent to buy what you're selling. You can figure out that pain point, and I know it's pretty vanilla, but if you can figure out the pain point of that individual and just talk to that, and more importantly too, have enough time to ask the individual and enough respect to ask them 
why they would buy a product like this. Understand the problem that person is in, uh, experiencing and not just assume. Because I think so many people assume that, well, this person, because they're talking to me, must have this problem, so then therefore my solution be perfect for them. Maybe it's not. Maybe they aren't the right buyer. Maybe they aren't the right you know, person. You know a funny story. You know a client once told me, I'm talking almost 20 years ago, mm. what, do you know what assume spells? Makes an ass of you and me. Never assume yeah, anything. Yeah. So he spelled that out for me and I said, I've never had that. Yep. And I thought it was an assumption, but the ability to actually go in from a point of trying to solve your problem want to know. Mm. But sales, I think, takes repetition. Mm -hmm. If you don't have confidence or the abundance of confidence, repetition will build your confidence, your competence level yep. to be able to do that. 100%. So the fact that you identified cold calling is the way to go. Mm. Some old fashioned things, when now cold calling might be digital, might mm. be direct messaging, but I think people that are going to invest, in your case, a lot of money, Nothing beats a call. They probably want to eyeball you. They want to see you on Zoom. They want mm. to talk to you more because as you're raising more and more money, mm. things start to get a lot more serious. You're not saying, hey, give me $50, invest in my business. You're asking for, in some cases, a ton of money. Mm -hmm. People want to eyeball you, but also know that you're invested. So I think that's been always a great thing. What motivates you, Young Jack? Um, I guess the ability to do more, probably. Um, once again, knowing that where I am in my career, um, to some people, you know, humbly might seem quite impressive, um, which is great, and you know, I'm very lucky. But knowing that where I want to end up and where I want to go is so much further than where I am now. Um, the motivation in terms of wealth, impact, sharing, well, the above what? I mean, pretty much everything. Like I know that there's more that I can earn, there's more that I can give, there's I can be more of a person. Um, so knowing that I've got so much further to go um, is inspiring, and knowing that I'm never, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be done. Whether I'm 60, as mentioned before, so you're or never the finished product. Never the finished product. And I think if you can work on yourself, work on your business, work on everything, um, and always know that there is that one step to go, um, it is the best. Thing ever and it comes down to leading as well knowing that the team that you've got under you as well motivating them in that same way like someone might reach a goal and that's fantastic well done pat them on the back but know that well all right you've succeeded now what else is there what, what is that next so thing? As, so as a leader yeah. i always say it's our responsibility to upskill ourselves mm -hmm. to uplift our team because yep. that's our job mm -hmm. to upskill but also to bring our team with us along with the journey and it's not an easy task and it's it's going to be a heavy, a heavy weight you're going to lift on your shoulders and I'm sure you're going to be able to do it. But acknowledging that and understanding how much hard work is, it's a big thing. Now, how many hours would a kid like you work? A young man, I should say. Sorry, not a kid. A young man like you work. Um, oh, look, balance is probably key um, on, on, a, on a good week. Um, try to keep Monday to, Monday to Friday, work Saturday, a um, couple of hours there, work a couple of hours Sunday. Um, I think it's incredibly important. You know, do uh, do boxing quite a bit, uh, which we haven't even spoken about. I do boxing quite a bit, um, which I'd like to do. I, I say I'd like to do professionally, but I'm nowhere near there and I'll never get there, I can tell you that now. Um, but also to running and gym and all that. So take time for myself, because um, I feel that if I, as an individual, are better, I'm gonna be a better leader, I'm gonna be- to make better decisions, person. you mean? Better decision, better leader, like be the person that, Every, if you can be a person that people want to be, um, then you're always going to be one step ahead. So that's kind of where my philosophy comes from. But also, too, taking time, like have a social life. So we'll go out on a Friday, we'll go out on a Saturday, wherever that might be, um, and spend time with friends and have a good time and, you know, not go overboard. Uh, do it all within balance. And I think that if you don't work in balance, working on yourself in balance and going out in balance, then, yeah, you'll have a good life. You've got a very wise having your balance. I never knew what the word balance meant because I'm always... <laughs> well, I'm still trying to figure it out, so I don't really know. But the, look, the fact that you've started uh, Disputify and the fact you're doing a few things, the thing I respect the most about the journey is you had the knowledge to put the things on hold. You cold called on the journey. You've now built a team. You're on your, is it your second or third race now? Yeah, second now. Second race, yep. and you've got some big ideas. If Would you care to share, where do you see Disputify? 
in terms of growth, what is your vision for that business? So share with the audience, and also how can they be in touch with you? How can how can they reach out if they want? Yeah, so my, um, I guess the, the vision for the whole entire company is to make the internet a safer place to do business. And over the next couple of years, we're gonna push and we're gonna strive for that. So it's number one, getting as many merchants on board using the platform as we humanly can, um, and being able to protect them from individuals who are just trying to rip them off. So make the internet a better place. So for us, it's pushing that, it's driving that. Uh, we hope to get there in the next couple of years. It's still a long journey for us to go. We've done well to date, but we've got a long way. So um, if anyone wants to jump on the journey and be a part of it, um, you can just reach out to me, which is just Jack Bloomfield on Instagram or jacketdisbeautify.com email so we'll I'm always here details there he's looking at speaking to investors people that can share ideas if you want to back a horse that's going to win a race but that also backs himself <laughs> have a chat with Jack I've, every time I speak to him I feel inspired and he's great at what he does you ready for the quick five questions yeah, yeah Jack? go all right name of a book you read that possibly that that positively shaped you um God, probably um, Rich Man Poor Dad. We, oh, sorry, Rich Dad Poor Dad, which we mentioned before. We discussed a few times. Yeah, which is the very first business book I ever read, um, and transformed the way I think about everything. Written in seventeen languages by Robert Kiyosaki. In seventeen, book. is it? Seventeen languages. I don't know why I know that number, but seventeen. It's my left brain. Uh, how would you? Who would play you in a movie of your life? Which actor? Oh shit. Well, I was going to say um, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, but he's too good looking, so I don't know. So. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah, Damon. Maybe, maybe Matt Damon. Yeah. I reckon Matt Damon, there we go. Oh my God. Any tattoos? Uh, no. Best gift you've ever received beside my book? I'm about to say, apart from your cufflinks yeah, as well from yeah. last time. Um, probably, oh, I mean, I'm only 19 years old, so I've only received childhood gifts, so I probably can't even speak to that, so. Give me one gift, go on. Is it a book? Is it something that shaped you? It could be sentimental, it could be anything. What is it? Um, you know what, I, I honestly could not tell you. We'll have to come back, I don't like letting people off. Now, if you could go to dinner with three people, they could be alive or past, yep. who would you have at the dinner table? Three people. Uh, probably Elon Musk to figure out what he's doing with his, uh, with his Bitcoin stuff. Yeah, we'll figure out what we'll, we'll, we could buy and sell. Uh, probably um, Jeff Bezos, I think is one of the most astute operators I've ever yep. seen. The man's got conviction and when he does something, he doesn't go goes half in, goes home. big or go home. Definitely Texan. Yep. Um, and probably as well, um, Anthony Pratt, which would be another one. I think that it's interesting because we talk about a lot of people who come from nothing and build up to something, but from someone who's inherited something and then has built it to what it is today, um, it's a completely different dynamic. And to understand that and to get to know it better, I think it'd be pretty cool. So you get a mixture of both. I love yeah. it. One strange fact no one knows about you. Um, probably that I do boxing. I don't think anyone knows that. So I don't even think even you. And you know mentioned I have it like a lot of fighting so, all the time. Yeah. But there you go. He does boxing. So there you go. Um, do you have any pets? Uh, well, yeah, I got a family dog. So favorite movie ever? Um, probably. Oh uh, God. You didn't just think we we're going to talk business, did you? No. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question uh, apart from like three years ago. So. No. Um, I know he doesn't watch much TV because he's always working. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't actually tell you. I'll give you a skip, but this one you have to answer. Go. What's your favourite yep. TV show? Favourite TV show? Um, oh, probably Billions, which would be my, my Billions, top favourite right. as, as, as much as half the stuff that goes on there, you, you go, oh, yeah, I, could, I don't ever want to do something like that. Mm. Um, it's interesting to play along and watch. I think it's one of the best produced TV shows. And I think the new season's coming out soon anyway. So looking forward to that. Dark or chocolate or milk chocolate? Uh, milk. 
Huh? Milk. Milk. Yeah. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Okay. You've given us some great takeaways. If you were to look at our audience and tell us two or three key takeaways you want to take from our discussion, what would they be? Um, probably Relentless. I love the yeah. like, podcast name, but it kind of summarises much better so way of what I was saying yeah. before. Um, I think um, Honesty, I think is another one. You know, doing, uh, doing what you actually say you're going to do. And I think Respect as well. Coming down to being more than just talk and actually you know, walking the talk and being someone as opposed to someone who just talks all day and actually getting in the grunt and rolling your sleeves up and doing something, I think is incredibly important and one of those things that I've learned over the last couple of years. Honesty, hard work is obviously very important. A scale of one to 10, how much you enjoyed the podcast? Oh, 10. I think we went up. Well, mate, I mean, I've, been, I've, been, I've been on it twice, so there we go. <laughs> so to everybody out there, thank you very much for joining in on this episode. Love having the young man, Jack Bloomfield, on our, on our podcast, the first guest to appear twice. If you're not following him with this beautify, make sure you start following him and support this young man's journey. He's gonna do amazing things. He's already doing amazing things. If you're interested about investing or you wanna know a bit more about what he's doing, reach out to him. I'll put all the details in the bio. Thank you very much. Have a great night.